shout to your gang regional, Brother Devin Herrera. Come on. Come on. Give it up for him tonight. Come on. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. Now, how many of you know I'm not that special? How many of you know we're here for the one who really is special? Amen. Come on. How many of you know we're here for the King of Kings? How many of you know we're here for the, the Lord of Lords? There's some of us in this room who wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the power of Jesus upon our lives. Come on, give God some praise for that. Some of you church kids, if your parents didn't get saved 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you wouldn't be standing here tonight. Some of you young people who came off the streets, maybe you're like me and you were broken, lost, you had no purpose. It was Jesus who set us free. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you just stand for me a moment, we just want to worship the Lord here tonight. Come on, just begin to lift your hands. Come on, let's just begin to ask God to do something in our hearts. Let's just begin to ask God to fill us up because there's power in His presence. Oh, there's peace in His presence. Just worship Him here tonight. Come on, God's anointed now, generation. Just make that your prayer here tonight. that doesn't know you. We don't want to be a generation that, that doesn't know how to be filled with your presence, that doesn't know how to follow your lead. Oh, Holy Spirit, have your way, God. I lift up every young person, every middle schooler, high schooler, every young adult, God, Lord, and I pray, Father, oh, Lord, that you, God, begin to speak to them, God. Speak victory, speak peace, speak joy, God. Speak the calling, God, the purpose, the vision, God. Lord, upon their lives, God. Begin to do something here in the Rio Grande region, gang, God. Lord, like never before, God. We're the third wave, God. We're the third wave of revival, God. Lord, we pray, God, Lord, that your presence, God, Lord, lead us, God, Lord, as we enter this new season, God. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, and the gang said... Hey!
Come on, are you guys excited here tonight? Amen. Come on, somebody. God is on the move. If you could just remain standing just for one more second as we read the Word of God. We're going to turn to the uh, book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to start right there in verse 2. Give me a loud amen when you click there. Come on, somebody. How many know the gang? Now, we know how to use apps, right? I love my Bible app, but there is something about having a physical Bible in your hand. Amen. But either way, as long as you get the word of God in your heart, come on, somebody. doesn't matter what you use. Amen. But right there in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to start right there in verse 2. Give me a loud amen when you get there. Well, the Bible says, and it came to pass at a time while Eli was lying down in the place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel. And this is the part where I want you to pay attention. It says, and he answered, here I am. Father, we thank you. We love you, Lord. Go forth, God, Lord. Let you raise up a willing generation, God, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated here tonight. Before we go any further, of course, I want to thank Jesus for my salvation. Come on, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for our Lord and Savior. And then, of course, I want to thank our regional pastors, my pastors, my spiritual father and mother, Pastor Danny and Sister Barbara. Man, I love you guys so much. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be able to, to stand behind this pulpit. It's something I don't take lightly. And, of course, I want to thank my beautiful, amazing, real deal, gang girl, wife, Sister Leslie. Come on, she was up here leading worship. Amen. Man, she is a phenomenal wife, a phenomenal mother of two. She works so hard, you know, at home with our two babies, and yet she is still here on the front line, still hill serving. I love you, baby. You're so beautiful. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And, of course, I want to thank my leaders, of course, Pastor Pat and Sister Michelle for just pouring into my lives. Amen. How many of you know we need leaders in our lives? Come on, somebody. Now, we need someone in our life to lead us, to guide us, to give us direction. Give us a little bit of correction. Come on, somebody. Amen. I want to thank you. But the other day I was reading this story, and uh, it was really interesting to me. It stood out to me, and it goes like this. I'm going to read it word for word. It says, every Sunday morning, I take a light jog around a park near my home. There's a a lake located in one corner of the park. And each time I jog by this lake, I see this elderly woman sitting at the water's edge with a small metal cage sitting beside her. This past Sunday, my curiosity got the best of me. So I stopped jogging and walked over to her. As I got closer, I realized that the metal cage was in fact a small trap. There was three turtles unharmed, slowly walking around the base of the trap, and she had a fourth turtle in her lap that she was carefully scrubbing with a sponge brush. Hello, I said. I see you here every Sunday morning. If you don't mind my nosiness, I'd love to know what you're doing with these turtles. She smiled. I'm cleaning off their shells. She replied, anything on a turtle shell like algae or scum reduces the turtle's ability to absorb heat and it impedes on its ability to swim. It can also corrode and weaken the shell over time. Wow, that's really nice of you, I exclaimed. She went on, I spend a couple of hours each Sunday morning relaxing by this lake and helping these little guys out. 
It's my strange way of making a difference. But I don't, but don't most freshwater turtles live their whole lives with algae and scum hanging on their shells, I ask? Yep, sadly, they do, she replied. I scratched my head. Well, then don't you think your time could be better spent? I mean, I think your efforts are kind and all, but their freshwater turtles don't have kind There are freshwater turtles living in lakes all around the world, and 99% of these turtles don't have kind people like you to help them clean off their shells. So no offense, but how exactly are your localized efforts here truly making a difference? The woman giggled aloud. She then looked down at the turtle in her lap, scrubbed off the last piece of algae from its shell, and said, Sweetie, if this little guy could talk, he tell you I just made all the difference in the world. Now, what a powerful story, right? And I love this story because it 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 it, it show it illustrates a deep, significant truth. It illustrates the fact that the deepest urge that every human has is the desire to be important. It illustrates that the deepest the deepest desire that every human being has is the desire to be important. If you really look at your life, you, the deep down, we have a desire to be great. We have a desire to do something important, to, to do something that's great. Some of us might even say that we want to live our best life. And we try to fulfill those desires through the standards of the world. Sometimes God's anointed now generation, we think if I can make more money, if I can get in shape, if I could become popular, if I could become famous, then that's how I'll live a great life. That's how we'll accomplish something important. But we can't measure the greatness according to the standards of the world. We have to measure that greatness according to the standards of God. We can't measure the standards of greatness according to the world, but we have to measure greatness according to the standards of God. Because the honest truth is, God's anointed now generation, is the things of the world will fade away, but the things of God will last for eternity. The things of the world will fade away, but the things of God will last for eternity. And what I love about this portion of scripture is it's telling the origin story about a man of God named Samuel. And if you look at Samuel, he was a he was a man who lived according to the standards of God. Because of that, he was able to live a life of greatness. See, Samuel was able to transition Israel from a loosely governed tribal people to a monarch. He anointed the first two kings of Israel. And he was the last, he was the last of and considered the most effective of all of Israel's judges. He was also listed in the hall of faith in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. How many of you know that that is a life of greatness? That is a life of an importance. Why? Because Samuel lived according to the standards of God. You're not going to get great by your post on social media. You're not going to get great by how many likes you have on Instagram. You're not going to get great if you have the streaks on Snapchat. No, the way to get great, the way to live a life of importance, God's anointed now generation is to live a life according to the standards. Standards of God. 
See, if you look at the times of the, the, the time in the Bible, if you look at the context behind uh, what's going on in the background, the Bible says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. In other words, it was a time where there was a need for the move of God. It was a time where there was a need for the move of God. It was a time where God's revelations, God's word wasn't there as often as it used to be. And I believe God's anointed now generation. If you look at the times, if you look at what's going on in the world, if you see what's going on around us, we're living in those times as well. Right now, Brother Kyle, I have a, actually I have a video for you if you guys could pay attention to the screens. We have a video to play for you. Today marks one month since a shooting at a high school homecoming party in northeast Albuquerque that killed one person. Sandia High School senior Sean Markin. 19-year-old Isaiah Garcia is charged with an open count for murder and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. For the first time, police say they know what led to a triple murder involving a pickaxe. We told you last week, police arrested Nicholas Ortiz for killing a family in 2011. It happened in El Rancho outside of Santa Fe. 20 years old, standing 5 foot 5, police say this man is a murderer responsible for killing three members of the Ortiz family using a pickaxe. Newly released documents say he knew his victims and the layout of their house and his friends told police Nicholas came up with the idea to rob the Ortiz residents for their marijuana plants. His friends told police Nicholas tried to get them to help him out, they didn't want to, so he said he would go kill them by himself. An Albuquerque teen who shot his best friend in the face was sentenced today. 18-year-old Zachary Hammond told police he was messing around with a gun when he pointed it at 19-year-old Eric Apisa's face. Today at sentencing, the victim's family spoke. I'm serving a life sentence. We all are. So um, it's really not going to, it's not going to take it. It's not going to make Eric come back. It's not going to bring it back. And it, and it doesn't make our pain any, any lighter. We are living in a time where there needs to be a move of God like never before. If that video didn't stir something in your heart, if that video, God's anointed now generation, didn't, didn't stir the fire that says, man, I can't stand around anymore. I can't just be on the sidelines. I can't just sit back and watch the devil take out my generation. God's anointed now generation. We got to rise up. We got to elevate. We got to do something. Because every day there are stories on the news about young people murdering families, about, about murder, 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 about all these horrible things, shootings, addiction. God's anointed now generation. We are living in a time where we need the move of God like never before. See, when Samuel was called, he was about 14 years old. And in a time of, and what I love about God is in a time of need, God wasn't afraid to elevate a young person. Come on, somebody. God wasn't afraid to elevate a 14-year-old. And I want to let you know, Rio Grande region, God's anointed now generation in this time of need. He's not afraid to raise up a young adult. He's not afraid to raise up a high schooler. He's not afraid to raise up a middle schooler. He's not afraid to elevate you and use you to be the light. He's not afraid to elevate 
you and use you to make a difference at home, at your school. We need a move of God like never before. See, he isn't afraid to use a young adult. He doesn't care if you're just in high school. He doesn't care if you're just in middle school. God can use your, your life. He can use you for something great. He can use you for something important. And if you take a look at Samuel's life, there really wasn't anything special about him. The Bible doesn't say he had any special gifts or talents. It doesn't say that he was extraordinary. There was only one thing that Samuel had. It was the fact that he was willing. It was the fact that he was willing. It wasn't the gifts. It wasn't the talents. It wasn't because he was smart or good looking or tall or short or because he had the Jordans on or he looked fresh when he walked down the hallways. No, it was because he was willing. Someone once told me that your best ability is your availability. Come on, God's anointed now generation. We need a willing generation here to stand and elevate because the time is now. See, God doesn't need your gifts. God doesn't need your talent. God doesn't need your perfection. All he needs is your willingness. All he needs is for a young person to rise up and say, here I am. I'm willing. All he needs is a young person who's willing to get elevated and cry out every day. Here I am. God, you have called me. God, you have chosen me. God, you have separated me. Here I am to be used. What I love about it is that Samuel didn't give excuses. Samuel didn't give in to doubt. He said, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Where are the young people here tonight who say, man, here I am. I'm not going to give in to any excuses. I'm not going to give in to fear. I'm not going to give in to doubt. Are there some God's anointed now generation, gang warriors? Are there some gang girls who say, here I am? Are there some young adults out there who say, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of going the other way. I'm tired of, of giving excuses. I'm tired of given into fear and are they willing to say here I am here I am we need a generation that's willing to say here I am we need a generation that's willing to elevate we need a generation that's willing to say yes I will go we need a generation that says I'll go to the UTC I'll go to the MTC I'll go halfway around the world man it was so powerful well, we were in regional meetings with the gang just the other day and and Pastor Ryan was talking about how next year God's going to move. We're going to have the Euro wave. We're going to move in South America. We're going to move in South Africa. There is opportunity for the gang here in the Rio Grande region to get ele to elevate and be a part of what God is doing all around the world. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Don't give in to the excuses, but say, man, I'm going to make it to one of those conferences. I'm going to try to make a way. As a matter of fact, Brother Devin, I'm going to go get my passport tomorrow why because i want to be a part of what god is doing on the international movement i want to say here i am i want to say here i am i want to camp a little bit on the willingness on the willingness see samuel all he was was willing all he was was willing he didn't he didn't have the best gifts or the talent. He wasn't he wasn't chosen. He wasn't extraordinary. There wasn't anything exceptional about him. All he was was willing. 
The Bible didn't give a big old list of all his gifts and talents and how smart he was and how good he was at this or how good he was at that. The Bible didn't talk about how he was able to do this or that or, or he, had, he had this accomplishment underneath his belt or how he got straight A's in school or how he came from a perfect family or how he grew up with money or how he grew up just everybody liking him. He had charisma and popularity. No, the Bible doesn't mention one thing about why God chose him. All it says is that he the moment the moment god said samuel he said here i am see god's anointing our generation we got to have a willingness we have to have a willingness to serve god man i've been praying and, and and right now i'm actually working on a message called what happened to the call of god what happened to the call of god i remember five years ago when when i was coming up and i was brand new to the church my cousin Anthony was in the home and, and he was on a he was on a, a visit and we were driving home after church and I remember we were sitting in the back of the car and they had just made him a staff. And I remember we were having a conversation and we said, One day we're gonna be leaders. One day we're going to be leaders. One day we're going to walk in the call of God. One day we're going to be there. And here we are five years later, walking in our roles, walking in our calling. What happened to the call of God? God's anointed now generation. What happened to that willingness to say, here I am. I will go. Here I am. Don't hold me back. Here I am. Man, when I was coming up, Pastor Pat couldn't keep me in the stables. I was out there on the front lines. I was doing things, man. I remember I would write agendas out i would i would make moves i would do all these things why because i wanted the call of god upon my life god's anointed now generation do you have that same willingness that says man brother Devin, you don't have to ask me to do a five minutes of fire i already got five right here just let me know when you want to blow me up there man brother Devin, uh, you don't have to ask me to go out and hit the streets i've been already out here passing out gang flyers praying for that person telling them jesus loves you man i already brought five people to the home man brother Devin, you don't need to tell me to pray i'm just gonna knock on your door on five in the morning and say man here i am why because i am willing come on god's anointed now generation man what happened to that young person that says man go to that that, that doesn't go to their gang leader and then just says you know what i already started a bible club in my school I already started a Bible club in my school, in my class. I got 10, 15 young people coming during lunch. What happened to that willingness? What happened to that desire? Samuel was willing. Samuel was willing. And we can't get away from that, gang. We can't get away from that. We've gotten too comfortable with the word no. We've gotten too comfortable with the word no. Back in the day, it used to be, man, and that wasn't too long ago. If my leader came to me and asked me, I wouldn't say no. Here I am. I'm willing. But we've gotten too comfortable. Man, it seems nowadays, hey, man, brother, can you do a five minutes of fire? I go to a gang warrior or a gang girl, and they tell me no. I remember I heard a message from Brother Mark, and he was preaching, and he said, man, how dare I say no to God? After all he's done for me, after saving me, after rescuing me, God's anointed now generation. Don't think just because you're a church kid and your parents were saved and you've been in the church your whole life that you can say no to God because if it wasn't for what he did in your family's life, then you wouldn't be here. No, don't, don't think if you just came off the streets like I did or you came into the home that 10 years later, 
later, five years later, six months later, you can say no to God because he saved you. He rescued you. I have a fear. Honestly, I have a fear that one day, like when I, when I go on, when I go before the judgment seat of God, I don't want him to say, well, you could have done this, this, and this. How come you didn't do this, this, and this? I don't want him to say, well, you did this, this, and this, and that's good, but there was this thing you could have done. There was this person you could have talked to. There was this time you could have prayed. How dare we say no? There needs to be a willingness, a willingness. There needs to, we need to be a generation that says, man, I'm available. I'm available to do it. I'm available. Because what's the alternative? You're going to sit on your couch all day and play video games? Well, come on, somebody. You're going to be on Facebook. You're going to be on TikTok. Just go hang out at the mall. Come on, God's anointed now generation. We are living at the end times. Jesus is coming back soon. And I don't know about you, God's anointed now generation, but I want to take as many people to heaven as possible. As a matter of fact, you know what? Victory Outreach Albuquerque, God's anointed now generation. We are going to hit the streets every Saturday starting this month. And we're going to take it all the way for 2020. I said it on the pulpit. Gang team, you better get ready. We're going to be held accountable why because we can have we can't have that no spirit we got to break that in the training center they used to teach us you can't say no in the training center you know how many times i i i shared my testimony in spanish i don't speak a lick of spanish but when my staff told me to do it i did it well you know how many times i've led worship on a crusade you know how many times i've gone i can't sing but i still did it why because i had a willingness to serve god Gang Albuquerque, I was serious about that. Now, we're going to hit the streets every Saturday. Come on, somebody. Come on. Are you excited about that, man? Rio Grande Region, Las Cruces, Deming, Española. Man, I want to challenge you. Man, don't be just satisfied with just where you're at, but let's go out. Let's hit the streets. I was sitting here, man, and I was thinking, man, this place is pretty packed out, but I want to pack it out even more. How are we going to do that? We can't do it by just sitting here on the church on Friday, on Sunday, on Wednesday. Pastor Danny has challenged me. Pastor Danny has encouraged me. Let me tell you one thing. Every time I see Pastor, he's always like, where are your flyers at? 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 God's anointed now generation. I'm going to ask you that question right now. Where are your flyers at? Because we could go and hit the streets. Amen. We got to have a willingness. We got to have a willingness. We have a willingness to serve God. We can't run away. We can't shy away from it. We can't get comfortable, gang. We can't get comfortable. We can't get comfortable with just being here. Our leaders, our pastors, they work too hard. We're in this beautiful building. Man, we have a, a, an amazing region. Deming, Las Cruces, Española, your pastors have worked too hard. They have gone too far just for the gang, just for the real ground region. God's anointed now generation just to sit there and not have a willingness like Samuel. We got to take it further. We got to take it further. It's our time. It's our time to elevate, amen? We got to have a willingness. We have to be available. We can't say no to the call of God anymore. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of that place where you're just, I'm fine, I'm good right here. Man, I want to challenge you. Write those five minutes of fires. Man, go to the home. When I first got saved, I, went to, I used to go pray at the home every morning before I went to work. Challenge you, gang. Go. Let's go pray with the home. Let's get, let's get in the presence of God. 
Man, let's, we had a prayer afterglow last Friday, and the presence of God moved thick right there. People were broken, and God began to speak to people. And I, we need to have more of that, a willingness. But there are three things that Samuel was that we could look at if we're going to be able to have that here I am attitude. Three things. The first thing is he was a student. He was a student. Have you ever heard of that saying that says, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, but you teach him how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime? I love this saying because it points to the idea that there are benefits to being a student. There are benefits to being a student. In the training center, they taught us to have a posture of a student. And see, what this did is it began to develop an attitude of growth. An attitude that said, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I'm not satisfied with just being where I'm at right now, but I can do more. I can do better. I could take it to the next level. I could begin to elevate. When you have the posture of a student and you have that mentality and that attitude that says, man, I want to grow. I want to be better. Man, then God begins to do something in your life. There's this thing actually called the proximity principle. And you basically sum it up in this idea is be around the people who are where you want to be one day. Be around the people who you want to be one day. And really what it's saying is if you want to become a pastor, then hang around with the pastors. If you want to be a missionary, then get around those who have done missionary work. If you want to be successful in life, then hang around people who have been successful. Go be around the people who, wanna, who, are, who are where you want to be one day. Because Samuel was a student, he was able to be trained and equipped for the call of God. See, God's anointed now generation. We have to be around our leaders. We have to be around people who have gone before us. We have to be around people who have lived life a little bit and have a little bit of experience. Because I know when you're 15, 16, maybe even 20, 21, you think you know it all. You think you got it all together. But there are some things that we haven't faced and we have to rely on the generation ahead of us. We have to rely on those who have gone before us. We have to be able to have the posture of a student. Why? Because what they have to teach us and what they have to pass on to us will be able to equip us to face the giants and face the battles and face the challenges that we have tomorrow god's anointed now generation i challenge you to have that posture of a student have that desire we need to cultivate that culture we need to cultivate that church here in the rio Grande region gang that culture of that posture of a student that says man i'm not satisfied where i'm at Too many of us were satisfied with where we're at. Too many of us were satisfied with just being at the same level every single year. We're we're too satisfied with just being comfortable right where we're at. But we need to have a posture of a student. Let me tell you something. As I was coming up, I was with Pastor Pat every single day. I lived with him. I worked with him. And I did ministry with him. I was with him all the time. And in that time, I was learning. He was teaching me. He was discipling me. Even just the other day, he, he was giving me some pointers on some things that I, I was doing. And he was he was teaching me how to be better and how to grow. God's anointed now generation. you got to be around your leaders and those who have gone before you and say, man, I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to do what 
whatever it takes. I'm going to text you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to reach out to you. See, discipleship works both ways. It's not just up to your leader to call you or text you or pick you up. But I want to challenge you, young adult, to get on the phone and call your gang leader. Call your leaders in your church. Call your pastor. Let them know, here I am. I remember this is some of the best advice that I've ever gotten. Brother Cisco actually taught me this. He says, sometimes you just got to ask your leader what's on their heart. So I would sit there with my leader. I sit there with my pastor. What's on your heart, pastor? And I would just let them pour into me. We have to have the posture of a student. We have to have the posture of a student, gang. Some of you, I'm in middle school, brother Devin. I don't need to worry about that. No, take it, get a hold of it right now. That just means that you have more time with your leader to train you and equip you and get you ready for when you're an adult, amen? And young adults, it's not too late. Get close to your leaders right now. Keep the posture of a student. See, Samuel was a student. The second thing that Samuel was, he was a servant. He was a servant. The, t- the Bible talks about it in this chapter about how he wore a linen ephod. And this garment was worn by all those who served in the tabernacle. In Matthew chapter 22, the Bible said, 22 verse 37 through 39, it says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, uh, a definition of servanthood is just simply putting others before yourself. Servanthood is just simply putting others before yourself. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is kind of a concept that I kind of struggle with, amen, that I'm still growing in and I'm still learning. But let me tell you somebody who, is a, who, who models this, and that's my wife. My wife is a servant. It's, it's just second nature to her. She's constantly putting other people first. She's constantly thinking of others and, and putting them above herself. Why? Because, man, that, 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 uh, and that servanthood, it's attractive. That's something that I was like, man, I noticed that about her. This girl, she's always serving. She's always available. She's always willing. See, when we're a servant, man, it's attractive. Our leaders start to notice. They start to see, man, that person right there, he's always available. He's always here early. He's always here late. He's always just helping people, and he's always serving people. And servanthood isn't always just maybe serving tables and getting people food or cleaning up after people, but servanthood could be encouragement. Come on, somebody. You could encourage somebody. You could walk around and see somebody, and they look down and depressed. They look like they're going through just a simple word of encouragement. That's serving somebody or lifting them up or praying for them. That's servanthood. See, Samuel, he was a servant and God's anointed now generation. We cannot get away from servanthood. We cannot get away from being a servant. We cannot get away from, from, from putting others before ourselves. I love what this, por- this portion of scripture is saying. It's saying love God first and then love people. So what does that mean? We first serve God. Come on, somebody. We serve God. We answer the call that he's placed upon our life. The second thing is we love people. We serve 
people. We put people first. Imagine if we had a generation of young adults and and middle schoolers and high schoolers who said, you know what? I'm not going to think about my troubles. I'm not going to think about my worries. I'm not going to worry about what I'm facing. I'm not going to worry about what I'm going through. I'm not going to worry about the things that my day-to-day business, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it a point to go out and serve other people. You know how many people would come to Christ if the gang here in the Rio Grande region said, man, I am going to be a servant. I am going to put my friends at school first. I'm going to put my family members first. I'm going to put the people in my neighborhood first. I'm going to encourage them, pray for them, lift them up. We have to be a servant. Imagine if we decided to serve God. If we made the decision right now that, man, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my word. I'm going to walk in my calling. I'm going to get trained. I'm going to get equipped. Man, there would be a revival, amen? The third thing that Samuel was, was he was a soldier. He was a soldier. I was, in, I was reading some interesting t- statistics on millennials, and it says, some of them have said since 2013, there has been a 47% increase in major depression diagnoses amongst millennials. Since 2013, a 47% increase in major depression diagnoses in, in, in millennials. <clears throat> Deaths related to drugs, alcohol, and suicide increased the most amongst millennials since that time. And in 2017, there were 36,000 millennials that died due to drugs, alcohol, and suicide. In a survey that polled over 1,200 people, 1,200 adults, 30% of millennials said they always or have often felt feelings of loneliness. You look at these statistics and they're, they're, they're alarming. When I read this, I began to get stirred for the young adult. I began to, to, there was something inside me that says, man, there is something going on in my generation. There is something going on in millennials out there. They're feeling depressed. They're feeling lonely. They're dying of drug addiction, alcoholism, and suicide. There is something that needs to be done. And what I love about Samuel is he was a soldier in the army of God. And you know what a soldier does? They fight for those who can't fight for themselves. They defend those who can't defend themselves. They, they, they go out and protect those who can't protect themselves. God's anointed now generation. We got to be soldiers for Christ in the army of God and fight for those millennials who are suicidal. Fight for those millennials who are depressed. Fight for those millennials who are, de- who are, who are feeling lonely and lost. God's anointed now generation. We got to be soldiers. We got to go out and fight for them. How do we fight for them? We pray. Man, how powerful would it be? Man, it's always been a dream since I've taken over the gang. And even before, man, to see these, these altars packed out with young people praying. Not just the homes, not just some, 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 some older people here praying, prayer warriors. No, no, no. I want to see some high schoolers and middle schoolers and young adults. That's why every first Friday of the month, we've started a prayer afterglow because we want to start and create that culture and that desire within the gang to pray and seek God because there are millennials out there. There's Generation Zs. There's, there's, there's young people out there who are lost and broken and they need God. And we need to fight for them. And it first starts with prayer. We got to pray. We got to pray. We got to seek them out. 
seek God and ask him to move on behalf of our generation. How, how else do we fight? By reading our word. By getting, digging deep in the word of God and start be, stop believing what Facebook says. Stop believing what the internet says. Stop believing what the news says. Stop believing what movies, TV, music says. And start believing what God says in his word. Start believing that God has a plan and purpose for our life. Start believing that his word says that we're his masterpiece. Start believing that God has called us. Start believing the promise scriptures that God has given victory outreach and the one that even pastors shared earlier about how God's spirit is with us and his words are with us and they won't depart from us and they'll go on to the next generation and the next generation all the way to the third generation we got to start digging into God's word and start praying it and speaking it over our generation's life and saying man you're not the last you're not the broken you're not lost you're not hurting but God loves you God has a plan and he loves you so much he died on the cross so that way you can receive salvation we got to be soldiers. We're going to fight by hitting the streets, by going out and preaching the gospel, by going out and telling people about the love of Jesus. I was sitting here, I was sitting here, and I was looking around, and again, like I said this before, I was, man, it's pretty packed out in here. I'm, I'm a little excited for what God's doing here in the, in the Rio Grande region, but man, we could pack this place out even more. Imagine if it was standing room only. Imagine if we had, man, the, the, the TVs in the multi-purpose room with an overflow of people. Imagine if we had uh, Highland High School here. Imagine if from Las Cruces, man, there were 50, 75. From Deming, there were 50, 75. From Española, there were 50, 75. Imagine if this place was packed out with young people. And how are we going to get there? Through evangelism. Through evangelism. Through going out and sharing our faith. And letting people know about Jesus. There's no way around it. Believe me, I've tried. I'm like, man, can we try to do this? Can we try to do this? Can we have an event? Can we do a rap concert? Can we do this? Can we do that? No, no, no. There is nothing that beats just going out and hitting the streets and sharing the love of Jesus with people and praying with them and telling them about gang nights and telling them about Sunday mornings and telling them about our midweek service. Gang, we got to be soldiers. We got to be on the front line. It's in the name. We're victory outreach. We're not victory just sit here in the pew and show up service after service we're not victory just hang out with our, our our core group of people we're not victory just just sit here in our comfort zone no we are victory outreach and we have to be able and willing to go out and reach this lost generation and pull them in to the the church doors and let them know that jesus loves them and let them know that god has a plan come on god's anointed now generation and that's how we're going to fulfill our desire to be important. That's how we're going to fulfill our desire to do something great. That's how we're going to do it. By making God great. By bringing as many people as we can into heaven with us. If the worship team can make their way. And God wants to move here in the Rio Grande region. God wants to move here in the Rio Grande region. God wants to begin to raise up Samuels who say, here I am. Here I am. We have to be willing, though. We have to be available. We have to be willing to step out of our comfort zone. Man, I don't, I don't understand <clears throat> how we can say no to the call of God. 
I don't understand how, how, we could, how we can just take it or leave it. God's done too much for me. God's done too much for me to just say no. God's done too much for me. And there are so many young people out there who are lost and hurting. And we can make a difference in their lives. We can make an impact. We can reach them. We can let them know that there's more than just shooting a needle in your veins. There's more than just drinking a bottle. There's more than just going out and partying and hooking up. We can show them that there's more than just making money and and building your own kingdom. We can show them that God has something much more. Then on this story, I often tell this, but there was this young man who who I was working with a a few years back. and I remember he he came out of the, the detention center and his his family brought him to the church, and and I remember they came to him and said, "Brother Devin, man, you're in the gang. This is my grandson, and, and man, can you can you pray for him? Can you connect with him?" And so what I did was I I would call him, I would text him. He would come to gang nights. He would come to our gang life groups. He would he was plugged in. He was serving. Uh, he did have some gifts and talents, and we were giving him opportunity, and and God was moving in his life. And then unfortunately, after a while, he kind of began to, to break away. And he began to, to fade away and step away from the things of God. And, and you know, I, I was friends with him on Facebook, and I would see what he was doing. I was seeing that he was, he was doing real bad. And, you know, I would pray for him and, and, and connect with him. But, man, he was getting further and further away from God. And then, then uh, one day, you know, he called me and he said, hey, man, can you help me out with the job? And I got him a job where I was working. And. And I was connecting with him, and we were trying to bring him back in. And I was excited because the call of God was upon his life. He, God wanted to use him. God was restoring his family. God was doing all kinds of things, but he began to fade away, and, and, and he was finally coming back. And then one day I was at work, and I got a call. And he passed away. He was actually murdered just down the street. He was shot. And I remember I began to break. I know he knew the Lord. I know he gave his life to Jesus and he kind of faded away for a little bit. But I was thinking to myself, man, there was so much that God wanted to do for his life. There was so much potential there. And I could tell you story after story of, of, of young people fading away and coming in and coming back. I could tell you success stories. I can tell you about young people we've worked with in the gang and now they're home directors or they're gang leaders. They've gone off to the UTC and and God's moved. But there's so much more that we could do. We just got to have a here I am attitude. We got to say here I am. Here I am because there's so many more young people out there like that young man I just told talked about. And he doesn't have to have that type of ending. Instead, the ending could be, man, he went to the UTC, he went to the MTC, now he's going out, he's getting launched out, he's going to that church we're launching out, he's going on the international level to be a staff, or whatever it is God has for him, God's raising him up. Maybe that story could be, man, now he has a family and some kids, and and God's using him in that area, he's been restored, these stories like that, but that happens when we have a here I am attitude. There are young people, gang, that God has specifically called you to reach. 
that God specifically wants you to reach. We can't afford to just sit around. Imagine if Samuel just laid there. Imagine if as he was laying there in the tabernacle and he was laying there and he began to hear God call him and he just ignored it. There wouldn't be a David. There wouldn't be a Saul. There wouldn't be the stories that we read in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel and all these all the books in the Bible. Maybe there would. God, God's way, God would move anyways, but still, it would have been a lot different. And don't be like, don't, don't ignore God. He's calling you right now, here tonight. He's calling you here tonight. He wants to use you, he wants to elevate you. He, he, has, a, he has a plan and purpose for your life. Don't miss out on your opportunity to do something important. Don't miss out on your opportunity to do something great. If we could all just stand to our feet. If that's you here tonight, and, and maybe God's spoken to you and he's stirred something in with you, he's given you a desire, that desire to say, here I am. He's given you that desire that says, man, I know there's some young people in my city. There's young people in my school. There's young people. There's other young adults at my work. There's old friends that I used to have. I'm following on Facebook and I'm seeing what they're doing. Man, I could go out and reach them. I could go out and tell them about the love of God. I could go out and tell them about the love of Jesus. Man, if God has stirred something in you and you say, I want to have that here I am attitude. I want to say, here I am. God is calling you right now. Here's your opportunity. These altars are open.